0: Welcome to the Slingshot Sim Racing Podcast. I'm Ellis, and I'm Chris. On the podcast, we get to know our slingshot racing community on and off the track, while also talking about anything and everything else sim racing related. You can check us
1: out at slingshotracing.org, where you can join our Discord, watch our races weekly on Twitch.tv/slingshotracingleague, and give us a follow
0: podcast is brought to you by Apex Energy Drink, but we'll talk about them a little bit later. For now, let's jump into it. Alright, it is episode 19. We are almost to 20. Um, We're almost done with January as well. This month has flown by. Uh, hey well if you're listening thanks for joining us tonight we are going to be doing a lot it's kind of an action-packed show we've got an interview with sam maxwell coming up later on in the show if you don't know about sam he's been in the sim racing kind of a staple of the sim racing community for many 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 years um you know some some things you might know you might recognize his name talking about customized steering wheels uh something that he did for a A long time he's not doing anymore we'll talk about that but uh, yeah, Sam Sam Maxwell our race controller and a friend of the community and we're excited for that interview in a little bit but a couple other things Chris and I think uh, we'll talk about is going to be this question of is sim racing going mainstream I took a visit to micro Center uh, kind of a computer video game store this past weekend I've got some thoughts on that and we're gonna do a race recap from the week of slingshot racing so Chris how has your weekend been
1: uh, it's been good. It's been really busy. Uh, I've had a lot of stuff going on, uh, not sim racing related, but just stuff going on, you know, with family and uh, baby showers and all kinds of fun stuff. But uh, uh, we've uh, we finally reached the end of the weekend here and uh, ready to start a new week and ready to uh, hit the track this upcoming week.
0: Yeah, and both of the Apex Energy Cup Series and Truck Series are headed to Michigan. Uh, this week. So that's going to be kind of an interesting race. We'll recap uh, this past week's races here shortly, but I'm glad you had a good weekend. Um, despite it sounding really tiring, I think it sounds a lot more busy than mine was. Um, I did get to to go to Micro Center, which is a luxury that I have living in the Atlanta area. Um, and I don't know where the other Micro Centers are. I know we've got two in town, and I know that there are Micro Center is kind of scattered throughout the country. And for those of you maybe not familiar with what a Micro Center is, it's basically a store with all things related to technology, particularly computers. You know, they've got all the computer components available for you to buy. And it's really kind of a, my wife goes to me sometimes and jokes about it being nerds are us. And it's true. I'll own it. Um, You know, uh, I know I'll send you pictures and stuff occasionally when I go in there. And I think this time my wife actually sent you a couple pictures of me in the store um so one of the things that we noticed when we walked in was that a huge display of sim racing equipment this has been the first time i've noticed anything sim racing related in Micro Center because normally it's computer stuff it's monitors and pre-built and cases and components and all that but first thing you're kind of greeted with now is this huge aisle of sim racing equipment it's not just like your your typical uh Logitech G29s or, or Thrustmaster equipment, they're, they're carrying pretty heavy hitting brands. They're carrying um Cube, they're carrying Moza, kind of one of the new direct drive wheel brands. They're carrying uh, Gomez uh, sim racing equipment. They've got a couple steering wheels um, from them uh, that I got to test a little bit, but they've got this huge rig set up and it kind of reminded me of yours a little bit, it's that eighty twenty kind of rig. Um, and it's got a triple monitor. I know you've got an ultra wide, but uh, big monitor setup. And I think they had the field pedals uh, as kind of the pedal option there. But I got to spend some time in in that rig, and I had a Simucube wheelbase and a Gomez Industries or Sim Racing Industries uh, steering wheel. I think it was like a, a LMP sort of open open wheel road racing wheel. And I think that wheel itself was around $1,400. My wife, up until we left, thought that included like the wheelbase. And I'm like, no, that's just, that's just the rim that goes along with it. And uh, so the, the the quality of the equipment, my impression, I'm not gonna talk about that. It's not a review show or anything like that, but it really got me thinking of, is sim racing going mainstream? With stores that have never carried some racing equipment, carrying the vast amounts that they are, Um, and is that something you've noticed? Uh, I uh, over time, Chris. Just is that a result of COVID? Um, Is that just me, or have you noticed that
1: as well? Maybe. I I definitely have noticed it. Uh, I haven't actually been out in a store like this one. Uh, I don't have a micro center near me, but I visited this one uh, that you went to uh, last time I was
2: uh, in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's it's really cool, and uh, I think it's awesome that, uh, that there's a sim racing rig there, something that I always thought was kind of like a, you know, a, a little bit of a niche um, hobby, you know, a little bit more obscure compared to others, um, but I think that you hit the nail on the head right there when you mentioned COVID. Um, I think that during the pandemic, we saw a rise in it, and, and honestly, I can, i sort of point to the uh the nascar uh the nascar invitational i guess it was that they had during that time yeah when when they brought in the the you know real nascar drivers and i mean golly it was on espn i mean like it was the only it was the first type of really like big sports action that we saw and you saw a lot of other sports leagues follow suit with you know The NBA with 2K tournaments, you know, and they would televise those. So I I think that the pandemic definitely brought a lot of that out. Um, And and you saw it last year um, with the top 10 eSports that were, you know, viewed on Twitch. Uh, iRacing made it on there. And that's a huge deal, in my opinion. I can remember when iRacing was on Twitch and the viewer count was just minuscule. I mean, it was so, so, so small and it goes through, you know, peaks and valleys, just depending on, you know, like who's streaming and, you know, what time of year it is and that sort of thing. But to make it into the top 10, I think is a huge deal for not just iRacing, but sim racing as a whole. So I think that it's, it's probably not as mainstream as I think it's going to be. I think it can definitely get bigger. And I think that it, it very well might get bigger here in the next couple of years. Yeah,
0: I think, you know, this is something we'll talk about with Sam just a little bit, but I feel like it's become way more accessible now than it ever was previously in terms of just the types of wheels available. Because I know when Sam, uh, we're going to talk about those wheels, was was making those custom wheels, like, that. you couldn't get that stuff anywhere else. You either had to buy it from him, another person, or you had to make it yourself. Now, you know, that Gomez uh, wheel that I tried out, I think it was fourteen hundred dollars, and it was it, it was a whole thing. It had all sorts of buttons, it had L L E D screen on it, um, with all like the telemetry and all that. And um, that you can buy that stuff at a computer store now. Right, that that was stuff that, you know, they even have eighty twenty. I think Tony Kanon actually has his own brand that is now the Micro Center House brand, which is kind of an interesting choice. Um, you know, I, I read some articles about that of why Tony Kanon, uh, you know, maybe a household name ten years ago, but not as much today. And we we know him, uh, but he's got the Tony Kanon Racing brand or the TK Racing brand at Micro Center. Um, and they're selling eighty twenty 20 like rigs, like the ones that we've dreamed about having and you now have for many years. Um, the stuff that only the, the, the serious enthusiast used to have is now available off the shelf, which is is cool. And it's 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 funny because Ellen, my wife, made a comment uh, when we we're walking around. She's like, I kind of feel protective of this. Like this is something you've been doing for, you know, over half your life. And. All your stuff is homemade and I think that was partially a dig at me but um you know now all the stuff can be bought off the shelf and anyone can have it and I, I kind of understand that it's like we've been in this this territory for a while and there's this little bit of me that is a bit protective of it where it's like hey you know we've we've been grinding to make our own wheels and um, you know own rigs for for years and now all these newcomers just have it kind of thrown at them you know and I think it's good. Like I have to remind myself, we want the community to grow right. At the end of the day, yep. the community growing, like we want as many people to be exposed to iRacing and sim racing and just racing in general, because that's what we love. That's what, you know, that's what we want. We want more people who share that passion and enthusiasm. And, um, I think it's great. I, I, I'm a little jealous of that, that stuff. Wasn't out there when, when you and I originally got into it, but you know what it is now and we can enjoy it. Um, we can enjoy it now. And I, I think that's the important thing to kind Absolutely. of remember. So yeah, I, I, I'm glad that Micro Center is doing that. And hey, if Micro Center for some strange reason listen to this podcast, we need to talk about the way your rig was set up. Um, you know, I have a, a couple, the, the field of view, I'm not the field of view police, but it the screens were a little high and they're a little far away. And the thing that bothered me the most, their SimuCube wheelbase, direct drive, did not have any force feedback going I felt like I was turning like a a, I don't even know what I'd compare it to there was nothing it was it was literally like if you
1: imagine your DD wheel not you wouldn't want to come to the sim house you wouldn't want to come to the smith house then
0: well yeah I was about to say it might be as low force (laughs) feedback as uh as you run um I I, you know I, I even got into the settings on iRacing it uh, you know, trying to look like I knew what I was doing and got in there and looked at what it was set up. And it, it had zero force feedback set as the Newton meter setting, um, in I racing. So I adjusted that and I didn't get, didn't, didn't feel any better. So I don't know what happened. I didn't want to, I didn't want to embarrass anyone, you know, or start, start asking questions from the guys who work there, but, um, you know, I, I do think there, there's a little room for Im- improvement there. Um, but I think it's great that they've got that. So. Anyone and everyone could just go and sit there and do it. I thought that was awesome. So yeah, yeah. Speaking of anyone and everyone, uh, we had a lot of people at the uh, Cup Series and Truck Series race, particularly the Truck Series this past week at Auto Club Speedway. Uh, The Cup Series ventured over to old Atlanta and uh, we can go ahead and recap those uh, races right now, I suppose, for just a few minutes before we uh, get on over to the Sam interview, but yeah, Atlanta was the Cup Series Tuesday night. Uh we we knew it was going to be a tire wear race and we knew that uh we would probably need to give an additional set of tires despite having a three-set rule usually. We went to four to be kind of the drivers and I think they were really pleased with that. What uh what do you what do you remember about that Tuesday night Cup
1: race? What stood out to you? Uh just how uh how free the cars looked on corner exit. Um it looked like the it looked like the cup cars had a little bit of that push loose feel where they were really really you know tight on corner entry um, but as soon as you got to the midway point of the corner about three quarters mark of the corner you would start to see that rear end start to slide just a little bit you'd start to see it just looked like the cars were free and talking to some of the guys afterwards um, they confirmed that but I think old Atlanta always puts on a really good show uh, we saw a lot of guys try multiple lanes and and try to make those lanes work. I just love, loved uh, the strategy that we saw. People holding on to sets of tires and and you know trying to make those tires work. Um, you know I, I love that whole aspect of you know ch- playing chicken. You know, who, are you going to take your last set of tires now? Or are you going to try to save the, that last set of tires? I think that makes for a really interesting dynamic into the race and um you know we saw we saw a few guys we saw a few takers come in on the next to last caution banking on that being the last caution um and then we saw some guys hold on to it and it worked out for them people like aaron smith who went on to win the race but i think that it's it just speaks to even if you do have an extra set of tires sometimes that bites you in the end sometimes you you just get bit a little bit by the uh um you know the way that the cautions fall so um, it was a great race, though. Yeah, there, there's never, you know, and that's that's one of the, the
0: discussions we have frequently in Slingshot. Right? Is there's never a way to to get good at predicting the strategy, right? I would say the majority of it is about luck, and we've been on the rece- the bad end of that receiving end for many many races where we thought we've had the right strategy and something goes wrong, and that's what makes it exciting because you never know what's gonna happen. But uh, we saw that Tuesday night at Atlanta, Aaron Smith went on to win the race. Surprise of the season so far for me, two races in, in the Cup Series, is Tony Hilbrins. Uh, you know, he's our, our broadcaster and producer for the Truck Series races on Wednesday, and we've raced with him before, and he's a great driver, but I think he is, is he top two in points? Or no, he's not top two in points because he had the crash of Daytona after leading most of the race. Um, but he's had some really good runs and he's got a lot of speed. I'm looking at some, him as someone who might actually be someone who can challenge Aaron Smith for the title potentially.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Tony, it might be a surprise a little bit in a way, but also I, I'm not a hundred percent surprised because of just his experience with this car. Uh, Tony runs in a, uh, in another league on another night uh with this car and he i think that they run like a hundred percent um race distance uh on those nights so this is a car that he's familiar with and he knows how to to get it around a track on a long run for for a lot of laps at a time
0: yeah so we'll keep an eye on him for the rest of the season and wednesday night trucks rolled into auto club speedway and uh, you know, Auto Club is a bit of a sleeper in terms of strategy and in terms of how you can drive that car. While there is a lot of drafting and it does feel almost wide open into the corners, the first you know several laps, uh, there was a lot more dimension to that race than I expected there to be. Um, I know that we had the incident that I got cut off in on lap one, which pretty much relegated me to thirtieth place, cruising around in my own zip code. Uh, most of the time but there's some pretty exciting racing going up at the front i didn't get to see talk to us about that cuz i know you
1: were up there um uh, pretty much all night yeah um on on cold tires the uh, the truck was was a pretty free uh on the first lap uh after a restart um and, and that bit me uh it, it bit a few people but it bit me on the first lap and and i almost uh almost turned it around right in front of everybody even though i said i wasn't going to do it and i did it but the racing was really good. Uh I I really love Auto Club compared to Michigan where we're going this coming Wednesday night and Tuesday night. Um I prefer it actually because of the fact that, you know, you're not really locked into just one lane uh at, at Auto Club compared to at Michigan. It's still a draft track, uh with the especially with the trucks, just because of how, you know, big it is and just how much on throttle time you have and with the trucks just you know, punching such a big hole in the air. But you can start to get some separation as the as the tires start to wear out. And that that's what we saw uh, on Wednesday night. And, um, you know, I was up in the middle of it um, in the top five for a lot of the race. And uh, I really, really wish that we could have had a lot. We never really had a long run all night. We, ha- we no. didn't have many cautions, but we kept on getting them sort of, you know, at the at the points like where we get to the you know lap 15 or lap 20 mark of run then we get a caution you know or something like that and so we never really could get a really really massive long green flag run yeah i it, i
0: agree usually the cautions actually fell decently well time for me i was able to get back on the lead lap um but yeah i i thought it was a good race clean race uh again i think we might have spent under 15 right around 50 percent under caution um sam maxwell does a good job of giving us those numbers but uh we got to check in with scott about that for the truck series so but i feel like we're doing we're doing good we cleaned it up a lot from daytona which was a goal yep um you know guys still getting familiar with each other getting familiar with the trucks and uh it is a league that, uh, a series particularly, that that welcomes drivers of all skills. So if you are interested in joining either one of those series, the Cup Series or the Truck Series, uh, you can find the information about that on our social media uh, and slingshotracing.org. Uh, and there are only two races that we've run. We've still got 13 left in each se- se- uh, series. So still plenty of time. Um, quick preview, maybe 30 seconds. What should we be looking for at Michigan as both the, the ARCA cars and the trucks head into to that track this week.
1: I think it'll be a little bit similar. I, I haven't run the uh, I haven't run the ARCA cars at Michigan in a very, very long time. So uh, I can only judge it based upon like what we had in the next gen. And it was heavy tire wear in the next gen for our last in season two of our Cup series. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that's going to be the same thing. I might turn a few laps uh, tomorrow just so I can have somewhat of an idea. Uh, And the truck series, it will be more draft heavy than what you saw at Auto Club. I suspect that we'll see everybody staying right up on top of each other. Um, You might see, you know, a few different packs, but it will be very, very draft heavy. And um, hey, it it never fails with a Michigan race. It always comes down to fuel mileage. So uh, we might even see that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot to watch out for, a lot of interesting dynamics and storylines to keep an eye on. if you're interested in uh those weekly races we run on Tuesday and Wednesday, and you can follow us at twitch.tv slash slingshot racing league. And we run at 8 30 Eastern time on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So yeah, I think this is a good point to probably end this segment and we will take a quick uh break and hear about Apex Energy Drink and then we'll move over to our interview with a uh, kind of sim racing staple, Sam Maxwell. When we get back, we'll see you soon. Well, in 2022, we've seen an epic battle for the championship between Aaron Wilson and Justin Smith. Neither one have really been able to gain an edge on the other, and like, I know personally, I have at least one driver I find myself side-by-side with each week. Um, And chances are you've probably got drivers and moments where you just can't seem to find an edge. Well, Slingshot has a little secret we're going to let you in on. We found the edge. Apex Energy Drink is going to help you focus on every single detail that is important in those crucial moments of the race. Whether it's the final lap at Daytona or the side-by-side battle into Eau Rouge at Le Mans. Most of uh, the energy drinks on the shelf are gonna give you heart palpitations, and worst of all, they don't even tell you what ingredients they have in them. Apex Energy is formulated with your health in mind, avoiding artificial dyes and allergens, but it's still gonna keep you locked in during your toughest battles on the track. Uh, They've actually got four great flavors, including Blue Raspberry, Sherry Limeade, Bomb Pop, and Citrus Blast. My favorite is the Bomb Pop. Uh, Go ahead and get yours now uh, and get 10% off by using the code slingshot10. That's slingshot10 when you check out. Promise you are not gonna regret it. all right so we are back to the interview segment here and we are lucky enough to have uh actually our race controller for the cup series on uh but his his history goes a lot deeper than that uh sam maxwell who has spent a lot of time in the sim racing industry in a variety of different kind of roles um you know most notably at least for me uh is the the owner and creator of sam maxwell customs uh, made steering wheels for for many years, and and they're still kind of making them, but in a slightly different way. We can talk about that here shortly. But hey, Sam, we appreciate you uh, joining us tonight. How's your weekend been so far?
2: So far, so good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. We're glad to have you. Busy day? What would you get up to?
2: I uh, no, not really. Had a friend stop. Our. We spent some time on the sim rig, actually running the ring in a variety of cars it's so oh, nice to with friends yeah it's like you know the same track over they all get used to it we turn the the line on so they can follow they know where to break and gas and uh yeah just let them go you so know this is
0: someone who's uh, never done it before
2: no no it's one of my friends so he does it he's done it quite a few times actually so he's used to it and you know he can get to one end from one end of the ring to the other without crashing if he tries you know <laughs> So which That's is pretty good. for most people that you know they uh you can't get the car off pit road without wrecking, you know, so to say you can run the ring, uh, without wrecking is something. That's, you know?
0: that's an accomplishment for sure. I'm yeah, not something, yeah. sure that's something I could say for myself, but, yeah. um, well, cool. We're glad you had a, uh, enjoyable day. Uh, is that a pretty normal thing for you? You just have a routine for, for getting folks onto the rig that maybe haven't run that much and aren't actual sim racers.
2: Yeah, whenever I have a chance to have friends over and it's like on a one-on-one or a couple guys, I'll fire up Simrig and we'll spend some time on it. You know, it's even not something you can do when you have poker night because you got seven or eight people over. But yeah, when it's just a couple guys, yeah, I'll fire up the rig and we'll, you know, spend a couple hours on it and have some fun.
0: Enjoyable way to spend a Sunday for sure. Yeah. Um. So just a quick bit of background about you. I married thirty-four years. Congratulations on that. Uh, No kids. Also, congratulations on that. Uh, Just just kidding. Uh, But uh, you've been a mechanic since, I'm guessing you were 14 and not 2014.
2: Yeah, no, I was 14. I uh, did my first set of head gaskets when I was 14 years old. And have been doing spinning wrenches for money in one form, shape, way or another since then.
0: Uh, was that like a, uh, was it family who was teaching you this or how did you come yeah, to
2: well, kind of it, that it, knowledge? My father tried to help me. He, he was uh, somewhat skilled with tools. His father was a mechanic. So, uh, you know, a lot of my grandfather's stuff passed down to me as far as tools go. And, uh, the interest in the cars, my father was mm, not the sharpest tool in the shed, you know, but, uh, yeah, I. Uh, that's where I got it, working on the family cars, and that, you know, led to me working on my own as a kid. Back then, you know, that's what kids did. We worked on our own cars. We were all, you know, driving V8 hot rods. Mustangs and Chevelles were everywhere, you know.
0: Which that, one did, what, did what, what kind of car did you have?
2: I was a Ford guy. My first one was a 69 Cougar, and then I had a 71 Mustang, and I've had a slew of Fords since then.
0: I used to have a cougar i think it was a 2001 cougar not quite the same car but yeah uh yeah
2: that's a fox body that's a nice car too though yeah
0: it was it was nice until it wasn't nice that's it sat in the shed for for many years it was my wife's grandmother's car and it just sat there because my wife's grandmother wasn't driving and i kind of needed a car so it was a free car and it was cool looking car painted and everything but uh you know you know the part reliability goes down the longer they've been sitting there and not getting any action so
2: yeah exactly
0: um well cool uh so you were a mechanic and then somehow that transitioned at some point into building sim steering wheels and I'm, i I'm, I'm imagine you got into the sim racing hobby before that oh um, yeah how did you yeah. get into sim racing it seems like there's a a bit of history there uh that day predates maybe chris or i
2: Yeah, quite a bit ways back. And I'll tell you the story how I get into computers because it leads into the sim racing. I was in a mall somewhere back when they were really popular and it was the only place you could buy stuff. And I walked by a radio shack and they had uh, the shareware of Doom running on a computer. (laughs) And I said, hmm, I got to have that. You know, because it was like the first time I had ever seen a reason for me to have a computer. Because all my like, oh, yeah, it was, and I was like, okay, now I have a reason. That will give me something worth buying a computer for. And you know, that was me stepping off the deep end. I uh then I was into a liquid cooling and overclocking everything. And this was back in the eighties and the nineties when no one was doing it. You know, we were groundbreaking. No one was liquid cooling. You couldn't buy liquid cooling stuff. You had to make it
0: yeah that's uh that that's something that still intimidates me i've got the all-in-one cooler oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah. which i'm sure the custom run guys laugh at but i (laughs) the more i look at the custom run stuff the more i'm like oh this kind of seems cool i'd like to try this but yeah that's chris is a huge doom fan i don't know if chris played the original doom but
2: um, yeah and then obviously once i you know figured out that you know first person shooters were worthy of a pc i started looking into sim racing and then i found uh, a bargain title of uh the papyrus uh, indy 500 the simulation it was just the one car on the one track and that's all you got and i didn't have a sound card at the time so i was playing through the you know the speaker and it was only six notes but i was still doing it and then like within six months after that they came out with indycar one and I was like, okay, now I got to get serious. And I did the started the the never-ending computer upgrade at that point, and uh, built myself a set of pedals out of uh, uh, house door hinges, some springs, and some plywood. Oh my and gosh! Little potentiometers inside. Because <laughs> yeah, before that, I was into RC. I was into planes and boats and cars and slot cars. I did slot cars for a while. I was looking for any way to compete. You know, let, I want to go racing i feel like
0: there's a lot of carryover between a lot of this stuff because yeah my dad, my dad who's into sim racing and was into the original nascar racing online from papyrus was yeah. also a, a huge rc racer we've spent years racing slot cars so yep. i feel like there's a, if you like some of this stuff you're probably gonna like the other stuff too
2: yeah i think any form of motorized competition is you know it's all the same to guys who are into it it doesn't care they'll race you know motorized golf carts that's all they got you know Racing is racing. And that's what it's really all about.
0: I'm looking at a picture of uh, the Indy 500 game from Papyrus, and I'm actually impressed by the way the cockpit is kind of kind of modeled here. Uh, I don't know. know. You probably tell me. Did the gauges and all that actually work? Did the t- you We
2: know, honestly couldn't tell you. I don't remember that far back about how the game actually played. I don't even know. I was playing it on a keyboard, first of all, you know, and uh, it didn't take long for me to jump off from there. You know, once the IndyCar 1 came out, that was it. I was hooked, you know, the whole thing. I was on board.
0: Oh, yeah, I did. I'm, I'm watching a video of it right now. Definitely the cockpit, all the telemetry and all that worked in real time. So that's that's, that's not, impressive.
2: Yeah. Well, considering what it was for a sim, that's all there was. There was nothing else on the market at that point, except for those other, uh, the attempts at sim racing. Uh, you know, there was other companies that tried, but they never pulled it off like Papyrus did. Yeah. yeah papyrus dave. is now iRacing. racing yeah dave dave came he's the man all the way
0: so what is this bit and we asked you this question how did you get first started in sim racing hawaii and 10 online start well talk to us about this
2: hawaii was papyrus's beta online racing you oh. had to call them directly they had a bunch of modems set up and we everybody called in Logged in with their modem over the phone lines into their servers and we raced. And basically it was U.S. only and mostly East Coast guys because they were, you know, long distance phone calls. I knew guys who were paying $500 phone bills just to be able to race against other humans.
0: This is something that Dale Jr., I believe, has talked about. He used to do this. Him and his brother, Kerry, in the trailer had, I think Dale Jr. had, like you said, like a $500 $500 phone bill. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what people were doing. Me, I live in Massachusetts. So for me, the Watertown phone call was a local call. And I went and got myself an ISDN line, which was the best internet you could, you know, the cleanest internet possible. And uh, I was using voice over data. So my phone calls using a data line were free. Oh, man. I had a perfect connection so i you know i fell in hook line and sinker i mean i was racing seven nights a week any chance to be on the on the service i was i was one of the big boys on hawaii because i had a free pass didn't cost me anything yeah, you, you know? could
0: do it unlimited pretty much yeah
2: and i was i was like man i'm all in you know and then we got on 10 and it got even worse i was like I was fully committed by that time. 10 was the to- Total Entertainment Network, and it was Papyrus's first uh, retail online product. And it, it, I was all in at that point. I was doing between three and 5,000 laps a week. I was making setups for a full team, and I was ranked uh, 83rd in the whole entire service at that time
0: wow the the amount yeah. that's a lot of time like i imagine we talk about like the iRacing coca-cola series and all that yeah. now it sounds like this is kind of the forerunner for yeah. that and in a lot of ways
2: it for serious sim racers it's always been that kind of commitment you have to step off the deep end or you're not going to be competitive at the top level and no one wants to live that life long you know it's too hard just it's it's all consuming i suppose if you're racing a real race car you put that kind of commitment into it but for online racing to be spending three and five thousand laps a week yeah i feel like it's like
1: a it's like a portion of your life like maybe when you're younger you know it's like it's like it's that little window of your life like okay i can commit the time to this but yeah yeah i could not
2: do it now yeah and you know, I was like, come home from work, I'd eat my food and I'd be on the rig. I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't get off until it was time for bed. You know, it's just race after race, after race, after race.
0: I know that uh, Junior Motorsports just, I think, introduced their new uh, driver for the Coca-Cola series and I can't remember his name, but I do know he's an older guy who's been around in the sim racing game. For a while, and I think they talked about this on the sim, um, the iRacing podcast, yeah. uh, iRacers Lounge. About you know, are the old guys going to approach things differently in terms of are they interested in running, you know, X amount of laps every week, and and how's that going to kind of uh, impact their competitive performance? So, I'm, I'm kind of interested to follow uh, them. I can't remember his name, we'll try to. Remember. That gentleman is actually Kevin King, Kevin King he has been around for a while so i'm interested to see how competitive i might even just you know i i occasionally watch a little bit of the coca-cola series but i might watch a little bit more just to see him and kind of follow that story a little bit so
2: yeah, yeah. um oh yeah you, you know what i can see how the, the younger kids can be so competitive you know i understand it i used to do it i was there and most guys my age, and I would say, even into the, the mid thirties and older, don't really have an interest in that kind of a commitment. You know, it can't be their only thing in their life. And for me yeah. at that point, it was, it was sim racing. That's it, what am I doing? I'm sim racing. Oh, I'm not yeah. sim, racing. I'm sim racing. Yeah, exactly.
0: And even now, like Chris is 34, I'm 33. And I think there are times where I'm like trying to figure out like, do I wanna, do I wanna get on the rig tonight? And honestly, Probably the times I get on the rig like twice a week probably which I, I kind of want to do more but there's also times where hey I kind of want to just sit in my lounger and play like a video game tonight and just relax a little bit or you know Watch a movie with my wife and it yeah. is a balance and the older you get I do feel like the more difficult it is to find kind of a a, a good balance that works for you and if you're ever feeling like you need to get in the rig that's maybe the time where you need to kind of reevaluate, at least in my, my opinion, yeah. if you're forcing yourself to do it because you feel like you have to, are you really enjoying it? And yeah. I know a lot of these guys probably are, are in that similar situation.
2: Right. Committed to being fast, no matter what, requires that you're going to do a lot of work you don't enjoy. Yeah. You know, that's yep. just the fun right out of it. You know, here, go around hundred laps and evaluate this one change. Okay, go run another 100 100 laps and evaluate that one change. And that's how it's done. You know, that's how they go fast. They have to test and test and test and test. And and, you know, it works, but you sacrifice your life doing it. And I'm done with that.
0: Now, in terms of going fast and and wanting to go faster, uh, a lot of those guys who wanted to go fast, you know, 10 years ago, they had a, a certain type of steering wheel that was custom made. Uh, from a a small little company called sam maxwell customs and i know i've been i've been into sim racing chris and i've been in there for what we're going on 20 years probably and i remember in the iRacing forums always seeing something about sam maxwell customs as you know i was probably 17 18 years old and i can remember it Um, so when when you uh responded to our kind of uh you know uh, flyer for needing a race controller I was like wait that that name sounds familiar a little bit so I did a little bit of digging I'm like it sure does sound familiar um, yeah. I'm looking at some of your some of your steering wheels I was I know the website doesn't exist anymore but there is a thing called the Wayback machine from the National Archives that basically goes and kind of uh, does a scan of the internet every day and it saves little snapshots of websites and I'm looking oh, through cool. your gallery page uh, Sam Maxwell Customs, and these are some impressive, impressive steering wheels you built. You've got all sorts of wheels. It looks like you got some open wheel designs with screens on them. You've got—I'm looking at one open has like actually looks like wood uh, yeah. as the grips.
2: I did three wheels with wooden grips on them. They were all handmade, and uh, they were absolutely gorgeous. They felt like a million dollars in your hand because wood is you know friendly. It feels really nice, but they were rigid. the The grips were rigid. They didn't, they couldn't go into production because it was, you know, it wasn't feasible. They needed them to be rubber. But they well, looked—that was just rubber. a concept that you tried out. Yeah, to help. yeah. I made three of them and sold them, and yeah, they were a lot, a lot of handwork. You know, sanding and everything all had to be done by hand. But they were absolutely gorgeous when they were done. You holding your hand, you're like, wow, this thing is awesome. You know, that wood just felt so nice. Very premium.
1: I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It looks amazing.
2: Yeah, it was an awesome wheel. It what was kind really of wood was it? At the time. I did three of them. One of them was Zebra Wood. One of them was Blood Wood, which was like vivid red. And one of them was Ebony, which was black. Yeah, I'm and looking at the, uh, the red. red. Yeah, the red ones really stand out. The Zebra yeah. Wood one really does too. Those two in particular look really fantastic. The black one just looks like a wheel with black grips. You know, doesn't you can't tell it's wood.
0: Now, they one of the ones it. that stood out to me was this, it looks like an oval wheel, uh, kind of a bigger rim. I think the the rim was made by Joe's, but it's got all these holes. Uh, oh, yeah, the remember that one.
2: Wheels. yep.
0: Yeah, I, how comfortable was that wheel? I'm just looking at it, and it looks, it looks really cool. But I'm wondering about, as I'm driving, like, are my hands going to end up with all these little indentions on it when I'm done with the
2: race? That's a glove wearer's wheel. I
0: would imagine it would have yeah, to be.
2: Yeah, because I couldn't race with it. It was too too stiff for my hands as well. Some, like, the dirt guys were into it, and they wanted it. And uh, guys who wore um, gloves a lot didn't care one way or the other, you know. But beyond that, it wasn't a very popular wheel. I didn't build more than maybe two or three dozen all said, you know, because it didn't feel good. You couldn't hold on to it with bare hands.
0: What was Uh-oh. your most
2: popular uh, wheel, I, you think? Um, I will do say this, though. I do have a Joe's, one of those aluminum ones in my Pro Street Ranger.
0: Simply. Oh, you're in real life?
2: Yeah, in real life, yeah. Simply because the wheel is so ridiculously light and it looks the part of the truck, you know? You go to my <laughs> Facebook um, page, you can see pictures of my truck, my personal Facebook page. And the what kind,
0: of, uh, what kind of truck did you say that was?
2: It's the, an 80... Five Ford Pro Street Rangers. Right, right now, it's got a thousand horsepower engine in it, a full tube chassis, roll cage, set up for drag racing, hence Pro Street.
0: And you have not taken out to the
2: drag, drag, not yet. No, you? no, I'm, I'm still working on finishing up safety equipment. I've been working on this truck for 20 years, more now. Yeah, I've had it a really long time. It's the longest I've owned any vehicle is this Ranger.
0: So I know that uh, you ran Sam
2: Maxwell Customs for at least 10 years, right? Um, about- more like eight. I started okay. in 2012 as a hobby. Now, let me tell you how that happened. I was at work and I tore my rotator cuff on my right shoulder. So I had time off and I couldn't race because you know, my rotator cuffs broke. Couldn't turn the steering wheel. And I was bored out of my mind for like two weeks. My wife's like, go find something to do. Get away from me. Leave me alone. You're driving me crazy. Because I was usually at work. You know, I was used to working. And then after those two weeks, she said, she stopped seeing me around. And uh, she said, I was upstairs reinventing the wheel. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. the reason it transpired was because... Vanatek uh, just had released their, you know, CSW with the swappable wheels, and I was like, oh, they're going to have swappable wheels. I could be on board for that. And the uh, thing sold out in, like, minutes. And I got all bent out of shape, and I was like, damn, I want swappable wheels. So I figured out, reverse engineered the circuit board in my Thrustmaster 500 wheel to be able to make, you know, any wheel I wanted that would Screw right onto the Thrustmaster 500, and, uh, and that's where it took off. I made one for myself, and someone said, "Hey, I want one of those." And someone else said, "Hey, you need to make me one of those." And then I was making them four or five at a time, and then I was three weeks out. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And that's when I started. Like I worked like that for like a couple years. I had a friend helping me on Saturdays, and we were still swamped. That's when I started taking Fridays off from my job. And then it turned into fridays and mondays and i was working full-time three days a week at the dealership and three days a week in my business and then finally in like 2015 or 2016 i think it was 2016 i walked away from cars altogether and just focused solely on steering wheels for the sim racing community
0: how long would one of these take to make because they these are pretty bespoke you know handmade
2: yeah um, yeah it depends on the wheel um, some of the basic, more basic ones with just a, like a, an assortment of buttons and knobs would usually take about, I'd say, six hours start to finish for everything. You know, building the circuit board, wiring it, putting the switches in, uh, the time spent putting parts off and on the machine, the CNC machine, which I also built myself.
0: Oh my gosh, you're just a DIY king.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, Do you
0: feel like you would have benefited from a 3D printer, or, or would you have stayed oh, I away have from one. that anyways? I have one. Okay.
2: Yeah, and I used it. I did a lot of prototype. When I first bought it was when I was prototyping the grips for the uh, um, F1 wheel with the screens in it. The ones with the screens, the full screen TV thing in it. Those wheels, I bought a 3D printer so I could prototype grip design. I was working in CAD. I taught myself CAD so I could learn how to do three dimensional modeling. And then I designed these grips based off of what I thought felt good by gripping onto at least 100 different steering wheels. You know, I probably have held more steering wheels than anybody else on the planet, other than people who make them. You know, I've had over 1,500 ones in my hand, all custom built one at a time. Oh man! But, uh, the grips, yeah. I designed them in CAD, and then I three D printed them, and then I hired a three D printing service to make me masters, which were plastic. Uh, yeah. That company was called Shapeways, and they printed me masters, and then I made my own molds using silicone molding material, like they would use movie making props, and I made my own grips on my own machine, carbon fiber faceplates, and. Uh, that if you look now you can see there's at least a dozen different guys making wheels like that now oh yeah
0: this is the we talked about that at the beginning of the show a little bit i took a trip over to micro center uh yesterday uh, which is a store we have i don't know if they're in northeast or not but it's like a computer store but they've got all this sim racing equipment now that they didn't have like a year ago and you know i got to try out i think gomez uh sim industries or something like that has a a really nice like a a 1400 dollars wheel and they had it hooked up to a semi-cube base and um just the fact that you can buy those sorts of wheels in a store now uh, Yeah, i I look at i look at your stuff as like a you're you're kind of the the forerunner to a lot of that stuff honestly yeah
2: yep i I taught the world how to make sim steering wheels on a production based basis so that people could make money doing it i remember
0: i uh i made a, a wheel when i was probably I, I wish I was younger when I made it. I was probably 22 or 23 I made a wheel tried to make a, a open wheel kind of steering wheel out of MDF and it yeah. worked but it wasn't that great and it wasn't that uh so maybe if I had some more money back then I could have bought one of these Sam Maxwell custom wheels so yeah. that that brand is is in in a way still around right yeah. um, the, talk yeah. to us a little bit about how that's transitioned over
2: I have entered into an arrangement with uh, the Sim Speed Shop for them to acquire all my intellectual property as well as one of my CNC machines, uh, one of the ones I hand built, and to take over making my products. And they have um, expanded on that. As a matter of fact, I just did a brand new wheel design for them A month and a half, two months ago, and he's already made at least a half a dozen of them. And that was a brand new design for me, the first one I'd done in years. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty, he's pretty happy with it. He's pretty happy with the arrangement we have. And uh, I'm pretty happy to see the line continue on, you know, my name to, and my products to, to continue to have a life after me. You know, I think ultimately that's what any, you know, designer engineer wants to hear is that his stuff is outliving him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're out of all the people out there that have done this, you're, you're at the top of the list for being deserving of that. How did that feel to kind of, I guess, get back into the game, you know, after spending a little bit of time out of it with designing the wheel um, that you just ended up designing?
2: it, It was pretty rewarding actually, because I used to do it, you know, four or five times a week and uh banging out new designs was easy and i enjoyed it a lot i you know it's one of the reasons i taught myself cad because i really liked doing it i liked being able to design something and then 20 minutes later be holding the part in my hand i thought that was amazing to be able to do that and you know being able to go back to that and have a little taste of it was pretty good i enjoyed it a lot doing a new design you know i don't know if i want to go back to doing it full time and you know having to rely on it and everything, but it was fun to do one and have it be done and nice and, you know, be appreciated by others. I enjoyed it.
1: A godfather of SIM custom wheels. Really? Really? Yeah, you're absolutely right.
2: goes, goes further back than that, guys. If you go back to the old forum and you search SAM sensor, if you go back far enough, you can see where at the time, in 2010, I think it was, I introduced the sim community to something called a pressure transducer. I had a set of pedals that were basically made out of plywood, which... You're lit- that
0: guy! I, yeah. just, I just realized well, that.
2: Yeah, I'm that guy. So, way back then, every set of brake pedals you see now that have pressure transducers, use hydraulics, that's all because of me. I... Totally taught them how to do it when I showed them my uh, pneumatic pedal-based uh, system. It had a pneumatic piston partly filled with shock oil and a little bit of air, and a pressure transducer, and that was my brake.
0: I it, think I almost bought one of those at one. I feel like I at yeah. least looked to try to how to how to buy one.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty revolutionary back then because everybody was using load cells and yeah. they're crap. You know, it took a while for them to get good. But a pressure transducer, that's pressure is a voltage. It's exactly what you want. You know, it didn't require any special electronics. It was just like a potentiometer as far as the game controller was concerned. You know, didn't nothing special. Hook it right up to your your old game controller and it worked fine. It was perfect. And man, they ate it up. They made one guy come out with a hydraulic set and not like six months later, there were three more. And then another six after that. there was like a dozen guys making hydraulic pedals. It was amazing how fast it kicked on because it worked. It was awesome. It worked well, even though those cheap woody pedals that I made with that, you know, little slave cylinder in there. It worked Awesome
0: in fact I, think I remember seeing pictures of that now the wooden pedals
2: yeah my old woodies i still have pictures of them the uh, pedals i have on there now use a modernized version of that same system they're all carbon fiber and totally designed by me but it's basically just a pneumatic cylinder with filled poly with oil with a pressure transducer on it and that's it that's the whole brake system Nice and simple, easy, no moving. Oh, no, not a lot of moving parts. No hydraulics. No load cells. And these sensors are cheap. You can buy them for like sixty bucks.
0: Now, is that something that uh, the the companies who are releasing? I know Ace Tech. I think has something out um, that it sounds like might be similar. Is that what a lot of companies are using today that are going down that route, or is it is it hardly used within kind of the more mainstream mass production?
2: Set? I think. The the got the people who are doing the plastic pedals like thrustmaster and they're all sticking to load cells simply because there's no liquid there's no pressure that you have to measure so they have to use a load cell so if you want to avoid having liquid in there you got to go load cell but the bad news is load cell requires its own special driver board the load cell is also very expensive has a theoretical ceiling and is finicky as hell they are just you know It's a nightmare to, to keep running right. And the pressure transducer. I put these pedals on my rig, I don't know, four or five years ago. I haven't touched them. Nothing. Done nothing to them. And they work like day one. Still and
0: i taking right along.
2: Yeah, I mean pressure transducers are everywhere in the world now. All the fuel injection has them, all the air conditioning systems have them on cars, and that's how I figured out that I was like, "Man, there's a pressure transducer on this AC system. I wonder if I can make a brake pedal out of it." And that's how it was born. The entire hydraulic brake uh, you know, all the everything that came from that was born from that one moment where I looked at a pressure transducer and said, "I wonder if I can make a brake pedal out of that." And I'm amazed by the way your
0: brain works. Um, you know, that's that's so impressive that you can reverse engineer things. You can, you know, it's almost like if there's a will, there's a way.
2: Um, yeah. Well, I'm one of those guys who doesn't buy anything unless I can't make it. You know, if I can make it, I'd make it. That's just how it is. I've always built my computers. My swim rig is 100% fabricated by me. There's no store-bought pedals, no store-bought steering wheel, no store-bought rig nothing it's all you know fabricated and little pieces bought you know all the the sensors and pistons and stuff like that get purchased but all the bracketry everything the design it's all in-house it's all me man that's
0: uh wish i could i i wish i <laughs> my brain worked that way but um you know yeah. if, if all of our brains work that way then
2: yeah I think well over overcomplicated. i think if that was the case oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I can't, when I look at something, I can't help but take it apart. It's in my head in pieces, you know, I'm I'm already figuring out how it works when I just look at it and I can't help it. That's just how I am. You know, I look at something and say, if it interests me a little bit, even my brain starts latching on and disassembling so I can see its insides, you know, in my head.
0: Yeah, just the whole blueprint diagram just kind of pops yeah, up.
2: Yeah, that's just, you know. I can't help it. That's just how it is. You know, I look at something and my brain takes it apart. I already know how it works. But as soon as I see it, and it's always been like that. You know, I was the kid who took the, the VCR apart, and put it back together, and it still worked. You know, I was building models when I was three years old. That
0: serves you really well as a mechanic.
2: and yeah, why yeah, you, you yeah. did
0: that for so long.
2: Yeah, I got, um, I got really good at fixing cars. And I had, you know, that, that hand-eye skill set. really paid off well in that trade. But so I'm, working on cars beats you up. It takes away from your body. And I'm suffering with that pain now. So
0: I think that's probably a good transition into yeah. this transition you've made. It sounds like in the past, you know, handful of years where you've kind of spent less time in the, the, the hypothetical, uh, you know, race car, uh, right. sim race car, and you're spending more time. Um, it looks like a, a, a big tool chest with TV screens on it. This is your setup. Uh, yeah. as a race controller so yeah. uh you know where did that idea come about when did you first start doing that and and uh kind of what's what's the situation now how many leagues are you race controlling for and what what's your setup look like
2: well it started when i was looking for something to do for fun as a driver i got involved with another league and eventually ended up as a sponsor and then as co-owner and ran that for a few years really enjoyed it but some drama occurred and the owner and myself split ways and uh, I started out on my own with a new uh, uh, co-owner and the becoming an admin stuff, I liked watching the other guys racing. I enjoyed um, being up in the tower and, you know, running the show and I built this rig on my toolbox, my actually my home toolbox, my shop toolboxes up in the garage that I can do admin on and uh, not have to sit in my race rig and have a significantly better uh, perspective of what's going on. And now, uh, from based off of that, this um, hobby of mine has turned into a new uh, revenue stream to you know pay for my hobby and give me something to do other than sit around and watch other people play video games you know youtube's full of that and uh i really enjoy it i like being a part of it it's, it allows me to stay in you know inside the circle so to speak of the sim racing community and have you know an input and uh, c- contribute you know and now i do it Uh, Four nights a week from one for my league. I uh, do for you guys on Tuesdays. I have another league coming up on Thursdays that will start February, which is next week. And uh, I have a Friday night league. So I'm doing it four nights a week now. Basically, same for the stream Yeah.
0: You've been a real asset to us where we've been lucky to have you. And we just kind of, you fell into our lap to a certain degree. We didn't yeah. We didn't go yeah. looking for Sam Maxwell, but Sam Maxwell found us. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do have one question for you. My dad wanted me to ask you this, Paul. Uh, he is wondering, do you stand at this tool chest or is there a chair anywhere? Are you standing up the whole time?
2: Uh, most of the time I stand, but I do have a, a uh, well, it's a medium height stool. Screwed to a piece of plywood with casters bolted to the bottom of it. And that's my chair that I, I rolls around. It's, you know, yeah. it's kind of homemade, but it works. I don't know.
0: I might end up at the hospital if I had a stool with casters on the bottom of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, mostly I stand. I find that it's more comfortable for me if I'm standing, especially since the screen is so big. You know, I need to be able to move around. Back and forth to uh, view what I need
0: to see. Yeah, you know, like some tracks. Go ahead.
2: Well, some tracks. I would like, for instance, a road course. I had to uh, control yellows for my Friday night league. They don't run yellows on road courses. I have to throw them manually. So I had to create a camera angle that would allow me to see the entire track at Watkins, Watkins Glen to monitor for cautions because most of the time when I do it, I lock onto the leader, look backwards. With a rear chase view modified so i can see the field looking back but at a road course i need to do the whole track all at once yep and uh yeah big 65 inch screen i'm looking i got to turn my head almost 90 degrees to look from one side to the other so sometimes walking is better it makes it easier if i'm standing
0: yeah it's uh i i find myself doing the same thing you know i don't know chris yeah. i don't know if you're sitting or standing but i I've got kind of a standing desk set up, uh, at least height wise in my desk with my monitors. I've got a TV above that and it's just easier for me to stand up. Now, last week I forgot to put shoes on and that wasn't fun on a wood floor for two <laughs> hours. But yeah. uh, I survived. But Chris, are you a, a sitter or a stander for the for the broadcasting stuff?
1: Uh, I'm a sitter. Uh, who knows, one day I might, uh, I might have a standing desk, but right now uh, the desk that I have Uh, I'm, I'm currently sitting, what I've got got set set up up. right now is I've got my PC set up on my desk, um, where I've got two monitors, one where I can run the SIM on one and the overlays on it. And on the other one, I can have Streamlabs and ATVO and everything pulled up, you know, discords, uh, everything that I need on that one. And then I've got my rig, which is also the PC sitting right next to it. So, uh, one of these days I'm going to get me one of those desks that I can... Raise and lower as I see fit. Yeah, okay, you'll have one next week. You'll have yeah. one. Next yeah, time. yeah, next
2: week. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, I would never go back to a sitting desk. I like my toolbox standing height desk. I really like it a lot. Yeah, I like yeah. The, it. It takes up less space by giving me more space. You know what I'm saying? A regular desk seems to take up more of the room and give you less at the same time. If it so, you know, even you know, if it sounds right
0: yeah no that that makes total sense um i am noticing i'm looking at this picture that you sent us of your your setup uh and you've got it looks like race control software on either side now I'm, i'm gonna take a shot in the dark here is this something you custom programmed yourself
2: no actually oh really yeah it's um what is it called Stim racing apps and they have a admin uh app that allows me to do all the cautions and close the road and you know shut people's chat off and on and clear black flags and all i have to do is click the mouse it's a graphical representation it makes it so much easier than to, you know trying to do line commands or right clicking on someone's name and issuing it that way
0: yeah this looks like something they would have like in the real nascar tower yeah. and that's, yeah. that's impressive
2: this is actually only the start of it. I intend to add significantly more screen real estate. The ultimate goal for me as a race controller is to get my second account up and running and be able to do uh, multiple camera angles simultaneously.
0: Now, we know. we That's just going to be your Smurf account where you get all <laughs> the, the rookie class and yeah. destroy people.
2: You know, I did that for a little bit, but... It's kind of boring. You know, I'd rather race in a league against people who can actually beat me. You know, it's uh, I still have a pretty significant uh, ability talent wise. So I usually don't fit in most places. Yeah, I, I
0: i do not understand that from my my lack of talent, but it is something nice. I would imagine feels pretty good. Um,
2: well, Here's the thing. Like I race in this seniors group. And all I really have to do is show up and try to win, you know, and I win. And it it gets to the certain point. It's like I've lost, you know, the interest to be here because there's no competition. I'm out here just practicing.
0: I think that happens to a lot of people. Actually, I know we've got a couple guys in our league that, um, you know, Aaron Smith and Justin Wilson run really fast and but they can be beaten. It's been proven multiple times that they can be beaten, Um, but it, it is nice when you've got that competition out there. And I think we've got that in our, our cup series yeah, this year.
2: Yeah, I think um, you do. It looks good on on screen from me. From my perspective, it looks like the guys are really competitive. I'll tell you what, it looks a lot like the front of my pack. My guys are the same way. We have, uh, you know, multiple guys who are in the 5,000 I rating and uh, a lot of guys who are 35 and up. And, you know, the top 10 or 12 of the guys in the pack are all running nose to tail most of the time. You know, it's anybody's game. We do have guys who mostly win. But, yeah, it's not just, you know, one guy killing it. It's, you know, a field full of guys capable. And if one guy makes a mistake, there's someone's going to take it from him. You know, it's not gravy. And that's what I like
0: puts on a good show and ultimately like it's yeah. fun to watch but it's also fun to race with
2: yeah um, the guys are really enjoying it that's you know for me my goal has always been try and make the the, the league and the racing fun for everybody not just the winner correct it easier said than done good. but yeah it's it is hard it's really hard and uh, even with all the stuff i do in my league to try and generate more interest you know for the guys who run who can't win aren't gonna don't stand a chance that's at being a you know top five guy for them to still have you know a reason to compete, a reason to show up, a reason to have fun, and it's tough. But you know, they just keep plugging at it. You guys, you you go get it too. You know, it's it just takes a lot of effort. I find if you you a league that has ownership that cares, will succeed. You know,
0: I know I care. I don't know about Chris, but you know,
2: I don't <laughs> care about <laughs> any of these guys. I'm yeah, loser yeah. drivers. Look, who needs uh, them? Right. Yeah. Um,
0: so I know speaking no, we, of loser, or... we do have a very good group. Speaking of loser drivers, I know Chris is excited to ask you about your favorite NASCAR driver of all time.
2: Oh, yeah. Davey Allison.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we, we always like to ask this question about, like, you know, what type of what, what type of motorsports do our uh, do our guests like to watch? And uh, you listed on here that, you know, you're a big NASCAR fan um, yeah. and Davey Allison's your favorite NASCAR driver of all time. How did that come to be?
2: I got into NASCAR when I was a kid. I was, I don't remember how old I was or what, but it was the Daytona 500 that ended with the fight. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, with, uh, it was Bobby Allison and what was the other guy's name? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they were fighting down in, on the front stretch grass, and I mean, I was hooked. I was like, this is NASCAR. Wow, this is cool. You know, it was back in the, when not many guys ran together. You know, it's not like it is now. But it was pretty exciting for you know someone who was a kid to see stuff like that happen, and I was hooked. After that, I was looking for it everywhere I could find it, and it wasn't much, you know. Back then, they didn't really put it on TV much, you know. Daytime of five hundred was it. That was the the entire years worth yep. of television, you know. And uh, yeah, ever since then, and then once I became an adult and started you know watching on the regular, I found uh, Davey. His father was still running at the time, and uh, he was doing really good. He was an awesome driver. He had a great team. You know, Robert Yates, that's the famous name. And uh, I was hooked, man. Davey was my guy. He was driving a Ford, and they were unbeatable. And I was like, man, this is awesome.
0: Yates was the gold standard back in the day.
2: Yeah, man, you want to make power. He was the way. It and, is kind of funny and,
0: though because we're uh, Chris and I are both from Alabama, so the Allison's yeah. are a name that are very familiar to us. Yeah, yeah. but and that's
1: why I run the number twenty-eight to this day on all my sim cars. Wow, maybe Allison. Yeah,
2: yeah. I run a different number for a different reason. Uh, my number is associated with uh, Bobby Santos Jr. Okay. You probably know Bobby Santos the third. Yeah, the modified. Yeah, I crewed. For his father's for a brief period when we were running uh street stock or late model i forget what it was it was a metric chassis gm based race car and uh, yeah i did that for like a whole year with them and i've been a fan of him ever since you know him and his kid and old man sanos i worked for him he was a, a modified god around these parts up in northeast you know Bobby Santos
0: the first Yeah, that Santos name. I'm not a huge modified guy, but I I'm from with that name as it relates to to yeah. the modified world. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, I got to be there when his father was doing it and uh even was there for wins. Which is awesome. There's a picture of us uh and every friend and family member that the team had on the uh front stretch at Seacon Speedway the night that we won, and there are literally like fifty of us there around the car. Everybody ran out on the track. Everybody oh. who was from Millis and all the people who knew him, you know, they were there for him. And yeah, we all ran out on the track. It was awesome. There's a picture take, of like tight quarters. Yeah, yeah. It was uh it was it was an awesome event, man. I still cherish those memories.
0: You uh you able to get out to the track, any?
2: These no, various- not much. No. I made a few trips to Indy and watched the 500 for a while. I went to New Hampshire for about 10 years straight and but that place just got boring, you know, the racing's always the same there. So, I haven't been in a while. It's been probably 10 years now.
0: Maybe uh maybe maybe something else will get you out there
2: or as uh, you have any local tracks? Yeah, we have Thompson and and C-Conc and uh but you know they're mostly their big show is the modifieds when they come around so there's really only a couple of good shows and they're not close you know it's like i'd have to drive an hour to get there and then watch my race and, and it would probably run till i don't know what midnight give or take yeah would be yeah. getting home
0: till one or two in the morning probably yeah, especially exactly. with how late those races those local short track races they say they're yeah. going to start at like seven but the the main doesn't probably start till 11 o'clock at night
2: yeah right exactly
0: yeah so well, I, uh, I i feel like my brain has gotten a lot bigger after after yeah. talking to you for just a short period of time i don't know how you feel chris but
1: yeah oh, absolutely
0: I, uh, i'm i'm energized now i'm gonna go just build my own custom wheels from now yeah. on feeling very motivated <laughs> <laughs> motivated to dream and then i'll just buy my own from somewhere yeah um, so a quick bit about that i do want to just remind listeners um you said sim speed shop is where uh yep. people can still find some of your legacy yep
2: you kind of can wheel being built. and they have a, a web page sim Speed Shop, and uh, you, uh jason is the owner and he'll take good care of you you know
0: and um we always like to ask our guests kind of to end with favorite candy you're the first person who's ever said dark chocolate and you said really dark chocolate what
2: percentage are we talking here uh, the bitter stuff like a, 90% yeah, yeah right off the chart i want plain chocolate yep yeah, that's my favorite i'm with
0: you i, I really know. like the the darker the better i'm with yep. you on that
2: one absolutely yep i don't even want milk chocolate because it feels like wax in my mouth
0: it's not it's not real milk chocolate is not yeah, real chocolate
2: no nope it's all dude it's like not real yeah <laughs> you know yeah real dark bitter kind of crumbly mm, yeah that's the stuff <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I think this is going to be a good place to end it. Uh, we've, we've learned a lot. We're so grateful to have you come on. We're just lucky to have you be a part of our community. Um, you're a real asset. We're we're lucky to have the history there um, and, and kind of have that that uh, know-how and knowledge that is, you've been really helpful for our race control. So from Chris uh, and I, we're very appreciative of that.
2: Yeah, I'm glad um, to hear that. I really enjoy it. I like you guys as a league. You're doing a good job. We appreciate that. And do
0: you got any shout outs you want to give before we uh, shut it down here?
2: Uh, Actually, I want to give a shout out to Derek Spear. I haven't talked to him in, uh, I don't know, three, four years now. But he was the one who helped me get my steering wheel business off the ground. When I was reverse engineering and trying to figure out how to make it work, he helped me with a lot of the back end uh beginning design work you know like he had a t500 adapter he sent me some face to play, play with so yeah i got to shout out to him and thank him for allowing me to you know have what i had as for my sim business it was pretty awesome and uh it was because of his help
0: yeah. Derek is a, Derek's a great guy. He's a friend of Slingshot. He's, uh, you know, helped us do some giveaways the past two seasons and yeah, yeah, he's an awesome guy and he is a, a, another asset to the community that I would say, you know, if, if you've got company and kind of your upper echelon, Derek is probably one of the few guys that's there with you. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, hey, great he's, shout out.
2: He's the one who coined the phrase Sam sensor. Really? Yeah. It was him. Yep. Yeah, uh, a little
0: known fact. We just broke that right here.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was him. He was the one who uh, coined the phrase and uh, pushed it and showed everybody and had, you know, another friend of his built the first hydraulic pedals. And he actually contacted me for help. And uh, we got his pedals working. And then, yeah, it just exploded after that. Hydraulic.
0: Beautiful things about the sim racing community is how open and in a lot of cases i know there's there's instances of it not being but everyone wants to help each other it seems
2: like yeah the entire simu cube uh wheelbase is a big part of that community effort you know this um Bino on the forum oh yeah rosenberg is his name right yeah he he pers- uh like started the direct drive movement with that company in sweden and uh they have just run with it now they're those wheelbases are everywhere and they are the the, the epitome of uh best in class direct drive wheelbase oh yeah oh, we, yeah we should probably talk about my wheelbase for a second sure it's, it's a simicube based system it's a uh Simucube one so it's got the the original first generation of simicube in it which the difference i guess is minimal between what they sell now and this stuff other than it's a separate controller. And the reason I did it was because I was chasing this holy grail of feeling. And for me it's that moment in time when you're in the middle of the corner and the steering wheel's really heavy and you're trying to feel that threshold between the front tires gripping a hundred percent and the front tires gripping like seventy percent. That fall off and i found that i could only feel it when i had the force crank way up and i had all the filters turned off and i i built at least three different versions of the simi cube before i built this one i tried three different versions of the accuforce i drove two other different direct drive wheelbases chasing this feeling and i didn't feel it until i built this one and it's based off of uh, a servo class two sizes higher than what um, Leo Bodnar built his servos on using the same brand servo. It's a Kohlmorkian.
0: That that was kind of one of the, the Bodnar ones were kind of one of the original, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. and he had his stuff way over-filtered, so it was too muddy. You have to turn all the filters off to feel this little subtle detail thing, and you need a lot of force to feel it. So I built this wheel capable of 62 Newton meters. The yeah. force this thing generates. When I... Before I went on disability, my hands were hurting really bad. I could sit in my rig. I could turn the force all the way up, turn the uh, the steering stop setting all the way up to 100%, and then it took everything I had to turn past the steering stop. If I let go for a second, the wheel would fight me right back, and I couldn't hold it. It was like every bit of everything I could hold to to equal that wheel's power. And it, it is like, it is so glorious. To drive with that wheelbase because it, t- it tells you everything it, it, the detail coming off it is just absolutely amazing and I have driven four different versions of the Simicube, three different versions of the AccuForce so I know what I'm looking for and I found it with this it's absolutely spectacular but here's the caveat I have to be really careful with who I put in my rig because it will hurt people
0: uh, yeah, I was about to 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 ask if uh, yeah. if any injuries had been a result
2: of this yeah. newton yeah. wheel. Yeah, multiple guys have had to get out of the rig and weren't able to get back in because they got hurt.
0: I think I had to start working out before I used that wheel. Yeah, um, I feel like yeah. the guys who come over to your house, I feel like it's a. Uh, <laughs> They've won the golden ticket to the chocolate factory. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. My friends are all the fun stuff.
2: Yeah, they they aren't real big sim rig fans, sim racers or anything. They enjoy my rig, but they don't appreciate it like you guys would if you came and tried it. You'd be like, Oh my god, this is awesome. You know, they're like, Oh, this is great, it's fantastic, but they don't realize it's like the best on the planet. And they
0: don't appreciate what yeah. what is available out there and what you yeah. Care, so. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for uh thanks for taking the time to be on the show tonight and we'll look forward to uh this tuesday night race you're going to be calling from michigan hopefully it's a doesn't provide too much drama for you to have to deal with but a little bit of drama is is good for entertainment so
2: michigan has always been a good track for our league and if you can get one or two cautions in there just to spice it up that's perfect you know i think somewhere between 10 and 12 percent of the race under caution on average now not every race is going to have that is good you know it's enough to make the cautions unpredictable it's what you want you know like last week you guys had guys making green flag pit stops always and fun that's what you want you know especially when you get like the caution happens in the middle of Now you guys got trapped down it really stirs the pot i think it's awesome for the drama to, of the excitement of the race you know having all that stuff happening at all at once it really stirs up the, the drama makes it really exciting to watch yeah well
0: We'll hope for all that and more next Tuesday yep. at eight 30 on twitch.tv slash slingshot racing. And, uh, I've been Ellis. Thanks for stopping by Sam and uh, Chris, you still there? Guess you know, not Chris had to step away for a second, but Hey everyone, we appreciate hey, you right here. Being yeah, Sorry. I had
1: my mic muted. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sorry you're about good. that. Y'all you're yeah. good. You're good.
0: <laughs> uh, well, Hey, a little bit of excitement at the end there for us. Uh, everyone have a lovely night and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hope you enjoyed that episode. We just wanted to say thank you for your time and your interest in our podcast. And really just overall, thanks for listening. We work hard to bring these episodes to you guys each week. And thanks for being a part of our Slingshot Racing community. If you want to learn more, you can find us at slingshotracing.org. From there, you can find us on social media like Instagram, Facebook. You can join our Discord from the main website. And uh, if you're listening to us on Anchor, Spotify, or Google Podcast, please feel free to leave us a review. Uh, the more reviews and the better reviews we have, the more people who will have access to this podcast. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll hope to hear from you and see you next week. Bye for now.